I hope this all comes out good because I like had this thought when my brain finally started working again. <sighs> Stop working. I couldn't think of nothing. I could, it was just terrible. But I was laying there and I had a thought about marriage and us being married to Christ. So we'll see how this works. Um, but the title is, Will You Marry Me Again? So we're going to work from the premise that we are the bride of Christ. And I know that we like pass that around a lot as saying, so we're the bride, we're the bride, da, 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 da. But getting to the point of what does that really mean? And then how did we even get here to be able to be called the bride? And if we are the bride, then we have to evaluate have we been a good wife or a bad wife. So I figure we should look back at the courtship because oftentimes that's where the relationship begins and sets the foundation. So since this whole thing is based on intimacy and relationship, then we have to see if we built our relationship on intimacy or in um, having a deep relationship or was it built on something else? So we all know that Christ sought us and not we sought him. So right there we have someone who is very interested in getting to know us a bit deeper. He was patient in his pursuit of us. He made sure he was always in the right place at the right time. He was a bit covert with his first introduction. We were a bit unsure who was pursuing us, but we knew we were being pursued. And then we had the introduction. And because he sometimes is so shy, I'll use that word, he sends someone else to introduce him. Someone else to tell us about how great he is and how much we should want to know him. He gives us this feeling that I really should take his hand and let him guide me. But we're so unsure as to where he's gonna take us that we're a bit hesitant to take his hand completely. Some of us took our time, tested him to see if he really wanted us. Others took his hand quickly. Yet no matter how you first met, you were relieved and scared at the same time. The question of, is this too good to be true? Does he really love me like he says he does? And then you start saying, but I really don't deserve this kind of love and affection. He must be a little crazy to want me like this. So where I think a lot of us went wrong with the relationship was that we continue to rely too much on others' opinion of the great one. We used them to introduce, but we were supposed to leave it at an introduction and get to know him ourselves. I was told who he was for them, not knowing that he could be someone totally different for me. So right there, our relationship got off to a false start. I treated him based on faulty assumptions and expectations. But we knew it was something to this, which is why we've held on in this for so long. We tried to read the love letters he wrote us, but we act as if we could not understand 
his basic language. So again, I asked for a translation to the intimate writings my lover was writing to me. There we get the violation of his trust and love because I ensured what he wrote to me and put it in someone else's hands to translate. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, he asked for my hand in marriage and gave me this huge ring. But this ring was unlike any I had ever had or seen. This ring not only signified to the world that I was taken, but in my lover's absence, this ring would come to life and comfort me when I felt like I was alone. And the love letters, they never stopped. He wrote so many letters that I have yet to read them all. He is the ultimate protector and guide, consistent, always honest. However, he wants all of my attention and likes for me to want him as much as he wants me. This is where I began to second guess this relationship because I'm a brat. I only want to be pursued. I don't want to return the favor and pursue him. Yet the love letters, they kept coming. Even though he knows this about me, he still has chosen me. He hopes that his love will change my disposition towards him. So we're gonna look at some of the love letters he's written. If we look at Hebrews 13, second part of verse five through six, it says, since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. We can boldly quote, God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what, who or what can get to me. Yet we don't believe him. Jeremiah 31 and 3, the Lord appeared from the old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. Yet we question, is he going to be faithful? Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, he says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. Yet with all the love he has wrote to us and has shown us, we still question him. He went as far as to marry me and say I will be with him forever, yet his words are still not enough. I am still unsure. Then he comes and rescues me from me and bails me out when I get into trouble. And since we are attached to each other, my trouble becomes his trouble, yet he stays. I am like the wife that refuses to believe that I am loved as much as my lover says he loves me. And there is nothing more he can do 
but wait for me to receive the gifts he wants to bestow upon me. He wants me to arrive at this knowledge and be able to say with all assurance and not an ounce of doubt. Romans 8 and 38 through 39. For I'm convinced that nothing could ever separate us from his love. Death can and life can't. The angels won't and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, or where we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. This is the assurance he wants us to live in. And not to mention the fact that he defeated our arch enemy, Satan. He was beaten and humiliated, separated from his father, took on my sins, went to hell, snatched the keys from Satan and defeated him for forever. And he did all this before I even agreed to marry him. I can understand someone fighting for me if I'm married to them, but not married, and he still fought for me. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is the mystery, this mystery, excuse me, is very great, but I speak concerning the relation of Christ in the church. He allowed himself to be separated from his father so that he could be one with me. And then he doesn't just give us oneness, but he also gives us his glory. And the marriage is ordained by his father. John 17, 22 through 24, I have given them the glory you gave me, the glorious unity of being one as we are. I and them and you and me, all being perfected into one, so that the world will know you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want them with me, these you've given me, so that they can see my glory. You gave me the glory because you loved me before the world began. Then, just in case we didn't get it, and we don't understand what love means. He breaks that down so we then have no doubts again. So since God is love, we can replace love with God. 1 Corinthians 13, four through 10. It says God, where first it says love, but I'm replace all the loves with God. God never gives up. God cares more for others than for himself. God doesn't want what it doesn't have. God doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle. God doesn't keep score of the sins of others. God doesn't reveal when others grovel, yet he takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. He puts up with anything. Trust God always. God always looks for the best 
He never looks back, but keeps going to the end. God never dies. It goes on to say inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limits. We know only a portion of truth. And what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. Love that. He loves us so much that his completeness will cancel our incompleteness. So we can reign with him in glory for forever. We've got to put our minds completely around that and truly embrace what we have in God. Until we can truly embrace the entire relationship that he has given us, all the efforts he went through to get us, all the stuff he's put up with to keep us, we're always going to fall short of his bride. We're always going to stumble and fall and keep hurting him. But what have we done as his wife? We have not trusted our husband, even though he has some measure of trust in us. He believes we're going to get it. He believes that we're going to finally say, gosh, you really do love me. You really like all the gifts I've given you. He trusts me, which is crazy. Because I've been so untrustworthy. Us trusting him makes sense. Him trusting me doesn't make good sense. We have not loved our husband, even though his love is grander than anything we have ever experienced we still hold back in giving him all our love. We are takers and we are not givers. We misrepresent him with our actions and our words. And to top it all off, we have cheated on him with the one he defeated. And because he cannot leave us, we have made him sleep with his arch enemy. We have made him watch as we whine and dine, kiss and caress, the very one he took the beatings to defeat. And he is so kind. He just tells us what he wants, but never pushes us to end the affair. He doesn't even want a divorce. He just wants us to trust, love, and want him. And even though he hates divorce, he ordained it because people had hardness of hearts. When we refuse to let go of sins and behaviors that go completely against the will of God, our hearts have become hardened. We cannot make excuses and say it is hard and it takes time, but we have God as our husband and protector who wants only good for us, who died for us and has loved us with an everlasting love. How dare we continue to make excuses and continue our affair with Satan? At least let's just be honest that we like the affair. But what is even more sickening is the fact that 
one would have an affair was sicker than one just having an affair is the time it takes to deceive your spouse. The calls you hide, the dinners you lie about, the intimate contact that was supposed to be just between us. You giving it to someone else, not to mention you give your body to another. This is what we have done in our marriage with Christ. And to boot, we let Satan pimp us to his friends. And we know he only wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. Yet we stay faithful to our mistress. Proverbs 30 and 20. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done no wickedness. The Message Bible reads it as this. Here's how a prostitute operates. She has sex with her client, takes a bath, and then asks who's next. I was like, dang, that's harsh. But this is what we've done. It's like we have made so many excuses as being okay with teetering with Satan. Like it's okay for us to keep messing up over and over and over again. And we fall into this sin and that sin, this transgression and this iniquity, and we keep making excuses as if we're not cheating on God. Sleeping with the one who he had to die, had to die and be separated from his father. And we act like it's okay. We're a bunch of adulterers, yet he wants us. He doesn't want to let us go. So we repent, we ask for his forgiveness, and because he's just to forgive, he does, simply because he just wants us to love him. That's it. I'll forgive you again and again and again. You know, it can boggle our mind if we know someone who has stayed with a spouse who has cheated on them over and over again. We're like, what a dummy are they? But look at God, who continues to get cheated on, yet wants to stay. <clears throat> he keeps taking us back and he's so good that he doesn't even keep a record of the wrong. That every time he takes us back, it is as if we never cheated. Hmm. That's amazing. He loves me and he really shouldn't. I think we must always realize that we have taken his grace and mercy and have used it improperly. God has made his request of us. We don't want to be like the rich man where he got to the place where Christ told him, you have just one thing lacking. Give that up and follow me. And the man hung his head and he walked away. And Jesus watched him go. 
we don't want Christ to finally get to the point where he says, I gotta let you go. So I think we must do more than just repent. Not that he requires more. I'm not adding to the scriptures. But we should want to do more. I think we can really wrap ourselves, when we can, excuse me, really wrap ourselves around what he has truly done for us. Our repentance needs to have a few legs attached to it. We need to make this actions, some serious actions. Our entire lives need to speak and breathe Jesus. No more excuses. We have done enough. Let's be who God has called us to be. Let's have the marriage he died and rose for. Let's decide to live the life he said we can have. We have been selfish long enough. How about we try to cater to him? since he's been catering to us for all these years. Return the favor. I think we need to ask God, will you marry me again? Knowing all that you know about me, will you marry me again? Knowing I'm incomplete and need you more than you need me, will you marry me again? And we know that he will say yes. Yes, my bride, I will marry you again. And I will present you to me faultless and without stain. And my completeness will erase your incompleteness. I have just been waiting for you to ask me. I said, if you seek me, you will find me. When you want me more than anything else, I will not disappoint you. I never left you. I can't leave you. Even better, I don't want to leave you. Just name the time and place, and I'm there. I think with all sincerity, we need to acknowledge our faults against him and vow a new start. Many of us have done a lot of work, and we have come a long way. It's time for a new vow. But remember the book said it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break a vow. So what I, I don't want us to do this until we have broken our affairs for good. We gotta make sure we're really ready to let the whole thing go. Because then it becomes futile again. And we're taking him on another process of getting his hopes up that we're going to do it right this time to just wound him once again. So I had, was looking for some vow renewals and I found one that I kind of tweaked that um, is when people renew their vows after infidelity or stressful times. But I think we have to before we truly make a statement like that. And I know that that has to be individual. And everyone has to come to being ready to truly make this vow again to God. But I think we have to really pray 
and seek his face and ask for true forgiveness and mindfulness of what we really have done. You know, I think it's become so easy to sin and ask for forgiveness, to fall short and keep saying, okay, but I know it's grace and mercy, and not trying to use them, not trying to, you know, say I don't care about what you've done for me. But we've gotten so used to this habit of coming up short that we, we have put in our mind that it's okay to wound the Savior because we've made him so abstract that we don't see him as being wounded by our actions. We're like, he's a God. I can't affect God. I can't hurt God. But he's married. I mean, he's my husband. He's supposed to be closer to me than anything else, which means I can wound him greater then I can wound anyone else. The stuff we've done to God, no good person would put up with. No good marriage could handle the treatment we actually have done to our husband. No marriage could handle that. Yet we expect him to come through. We expect him to show up do your thing. Do what you said you're going to do. As if he didn't say, but this is what I want from you. We act like he's been silent in his request for us. He's made what he wants very clear. And we have just completely pushed his request away. And what has he done? He keeps catering to us. He keeps being in the race to show us how great he is. Look, I'm going to do it again because, okay, you don't get it. But no, this is how much I love you. No, I really want to take care of you. Oh, no, but my plans for you were good, not evil. You don't, still don't believe me? I got to show you one more time? I only want you to let that go because it's hindering our relationship. I'm not trying to wound you. I'm not trying to make you feel void. Because if you would just let me love you the way I want to love you, you wouldn't have voids. You getting rid of that would be nothing because I'm so much greater than that. And we're like, okay, you got to prove it one more time. Okay, I still don't believe you. And he's like, but I already asked you to marry me. And I can't go back on my word. So I'm going to be the husband you, you, you think I am. I'm going to be the husband I'm supposed to be. I'm not going to leave you, forsake you, put you down, not protect you, not take care of you, not have your back. I can't do that. Keep messing over me. And we don't want him to get to the place where he says, I got to let you go. You've wounded me way too much now. I can't take another wounding. So I'm going to read the vows. And we'll see where we are with them. It says, on our wedding day, I pledged many things to you, including my faithfulness, with great sorrow and regret 
I acknowledge that I broke that vow. But I realize now the enormity of my mistake. Others come and go, but you are the constant in my life whom I will always love. I believe in this marriage more than ever, and I reaffirm my love and commitment to you. On our wedding day, I pledge to love you in sickness and in health, for better or for worse. The past years have tested these vows, but your enduring love for me has prevailed. I come here today to make a fresh start, to renew our vows of love, honor, and fidelity, and to reaffirm my love for you. And then as blank years ago, I promised to love you throughout eternity. I never imagined that I would face losing you so soon or the depth of despair I would feel at that prospect. But today, we are on the other side of the mountain and I am so ecstatic that I get to continue my life's journey by your side. Once again, I promise to love you, honor you, and keep you for better or worse in sickness and in health for forever. We are one, and I will allow nothing to separate my love from you again, your bride. We've got to give that back to God. I think we've taken enough from him. It is time for us to give him back all that he's given to us. And I have it where you guys can take, you know, this home and be able to do this on your time when you're ready. You can add whatever words you like to add to it or change it in any way. But I think we have to renew our vow to God. And I think because we have come we have come far. We have put down a lot of stuff. You know, we are in the pursuit of him. But I think we should never forget how tremendous this relationship has been and how he has really stayed by our side and waited for us to get to the point where we would give ourselves to him. And I think he's just been sitting there waiting, saying, will you give me back what I've given you? Because I like to get stuff too. And I think that, you know, that vow again is so much different the second time around. Because now I'm making this based on some real knowledge, some real history. I know what I'm doing now. This, not, this is not play anymore. Like, now I know why I'm marrying you. Now I know why I want to live my life in unison with you. I know this now. And now my vow is much different than the first vow I made. It's far more intimate. It's far more intense. But we owe that to God. We owe it to him.